Happy New Year, Happy New Year, maybe you'll have a podcast to listen. Cut me off at any time, Alistair, otherwise I'll oh, keep going. Oh, I didn't know I was meant to. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for your bit to finish. Um, what's the other bit? Um, you know, the East Enders are just, Happy New Year. Is it Kat who does that? <laughs> no, it's uh, it's uh, Ronnie. It's Ronnie. She goes, oh, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. <laughs> The actress that plays her was in a panto this year and did a lip sync to it and she was putting on her makeup and like with a stoic face was like, <sighs> but like stoic. It was so funny. Well, happy new year, Sam. Welcome to 2024. Oh my God. It's like I'm in the future. Have you set any resolutions? Absolutely not. I'm perfect already. Thank you very much. Have you? Um, I actually don't like, I like to set the bar as low as I can because then if I achieve anything, I feel good about myself. Mm. I don't like setting a high bar and missing lots. That doesn't work for me at all. I need to set a very, very low bar that I can tick off in like maybe the first week. A good technique for me in my life, I find, is um, the pretend you're a sim technique, <laughs> which is pretend that nothing you do is your choice and that someone else is like clicking like, Alistair goes to the kitchen and opens the fridge. Or like, Alistair goes for a walk now. Like clicks go here and I just do you it. You truly do not want a single thought. You just want autonomous control and you're happy to just go about. You would suit a world run by the master. That'd be great, actually. And I'll be sharing more techniques every week on Hulala, a Doctor Who podcast. Well, look, I'm glad that we're here. Welcome, dear listener, to season four of Hulala. Can't believe we've made it. Episode 61, Alistair. Can you believe? 61. If I had a nickel for every episode of Hulala, I'd have 61 nickels. Which is a lot. Well, look, I don't know how many nickels we're going to get for doing this episode, but I enjoyed, I think, question mark, the episode that we watched today. Alison, what are we watching today? Today we're watching Eve of the Daleks. We had a little chat on the way back from ABBA, ABBA Voyage, which we went to see the other day. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> you were saying about dry January, which I was planning on doing, um, and then you and me were enjoying a glass of wine in front of ABBA on the yeah. 1st of January. <laughs> 18 hours into the new year and we'd broken dry January. But like, what are you going to do? You're at ABBA. Yeah, literally. With a friend with a staff discount. Are you not having a wine? No, it's the happiest place on earth. Why wouldn't you go and have a glass of wine? <laughs> the happiest place on earth. For people of a certain age. <laughs> <laughs> we, yeah, we were on the tube back and we we're like, oh, what should we do? And we thought, oh, this, this kind of fits with a sort of a new year theme. And so here we are. That's what mm. we've watched. No, it was good. Yeah, we said we wanted to sort of kick off Hula last season four with, you know, it's a new year, new season. We want to touch a new year special. And we debated uh, which of the new year specials we wanted to watch. And we decided to jump into, we, at one point we were talking about whether we do like all three of them in a row. Uh, but we decided to jump into this one because we had such fond memories of it. I came away from it still enjoying it with some gripes. I think you said you came away from it not enjoying it as much as you remembered. I remembered it a little more favorably than 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 I found it. Yeah. Do you, I'm wondering whether that's because it was sandwiched between and hey, if you love the Flux and if you love Legend of the Sea Devils, that's on you. That's your burden to bear. But for me, maybe it's because it was sandwiched between those two episodes. I was like, oh, no, actually, no, it was a, it was a good episode. And then now when you're just coming off the back of, um, you know, the, the specials we've recently had. Right. I think maybe I'm just looking at it in like a slightly more critical lens. Maybe that's true. You know, like Sarah Paulson meme where she's like eating that bread and she's like, this is good. Well, I know, to be fair, actually, no, I, I actually only really have 
one main negative this episode. I've actually got quite a few highs, um, which I'm excited to dive into. Should we, should we jump into some context, Alistair, for the episode? Let's jump into some context for the episode. Absolutely. Well, as we've said, we are watching Eve of the Dark today, which is the New Year's special airing on the 1st of January 2022. Uh, it had 3.1 million people view it overnight and 4.4 million people consolidated with an IMDb score of 6.7 out of 10 and a letterbox score of 3.2 out of 5. Now, Eve of the Daleks, as we said, got 3.1 overnight, 4.4 million consolidated viewers, but did really poorly in terms of where it charted against what else was on that week. So the median chart position for Doctor Who special at Christmas or New Year's is at number seven um, against what else is on in that week. And Eve of the Daleks was at number 26. Oof. and <laughs> she fell um legend of the sea devils the one after this i didn't know this before this is pretty bad was actually outperformed by a year old repeat of <laughs> antiques roadshow on bbc2 of course um, it was. which had just 2.2 million overnight viewers so um just some interesting context i think for who who was watching this at the time so in terms of viewership this one did really really badly yeah it didn't do very well for doctor who yeah. Well, look, the episodes on iPlayer now in the whole Hooniverse section, and as always, I recommend just go and watch the episode. It is a fun watch. Uh, but for anyone who hasn't seen the episode recently or wants a little refresher, here is a recap of the story. Shortly before midnight on New Year's Eve, Sarah is begrudgingly working at her storage unit with her loyal customer Nick paying her a visit. Meanwhile, the Doctor attempts to reset the TARDIS to remove the damage and abnormalities caused by the flux, accidentally landing in the storage unit. Unbeknownst to the Doctor, the TARDIS's reset triggers a time loop. Nick encounters an executioner Dalek which kills him and later the Doctor, Yaz, Dan and Sarah. Time resets with Sarah and Nick both trying to save each other but failing and dying upon seeing the Dalek again. The Doctor realises that each reset shortens the time loop by one minute and speculates that the loop will collapse at midnight. The Daleks reveal that they have detected the TARDIS's energy signature and have come to execute the Doctor for her actions linked to the Flux. Both the Doctor's group and the Daleks attempt to learn from the previous loops in order to anticipate their enemy's next moves. During the loops, Nick confesses returning each year to see Sarah, while Dan points out to the Doctor that Yaz has feelings for her. Using illegal fireworks and other materials stored in the facility by another employee, the group decide to create a trap that will bring the facility down when fired upon. To prevent the Daleks from anticipating their plan, they behave completely differently in the penultimate loop before dying again. In the final minute before midnight, they place the materials along with Sarah's phone in place while escaping through the basement. Triggered by hearing Sarah's mother calling her phone, the Daleks shoot the trap and ignite the fireworks, which causes the facility to explode and bury the Daleks underneath. The TARDIS finishes restructuring and the Doctor and her companions leave to find the lost treasure of the Four de la Mar, while Nick and Sarah decide to travel the world together. No, not nice. No, that's nice. It's weird, but it's nice. It's weird. Well, speaking of weird, this is going to be a weird thing for Hulala. I'm actually going to kick off with some fun facts before we get into our thoughts because I think it's relevant. Oh, go on. It is relevant. So according to Chris Chibnall in a 2022 Radio Times interview, the original plan for the special was something much larger scale and presumably tied to the previous 13th Doctor versus Dalek stories. However, with the addition of an Easter special, The Legend of the Sea Devil, the budget that they were given did not accommodate these plans and a new version of the story had to be written one week before production started. That's so insane. Do you think it was a really different story or do you think, do you think this is brand new? I think this is brand new from what he's saying because it feels weird that there are three Dalek specials in the Jodie era if you don't count Power of the Doctor because obviously that's got multiple villains and two of them are very clearly like sequels of each other and it feels weird for the third one. I know it continues from the Flux 
but it's very much its own place. It's very much a self-contained story. I'm not sure maybe if it would have included the characters of Sarah and Nick either way, but it just feels like a very self-contained story in a very like easy to access location with very little new things having to be, you know, what? like they've got the Daleks. They can get a location that is clearly a storage unit. They can lightly dress it. Like it's something that would be doable. I, I can definitely see that being the case. Yeah, it's, I, I don't know how I'd actually write a story in any conditions that quick. I think I'd actually have a panic attack and start yeah. crying and probably, I'd probably hire, I'd hire a ghostwriter <laughs> or even a team of ghostwriters um, or like find an excuse so elaborate that they had to like stop production until I was ready. Um, <laughs> it's like, no, we're I, not doing this. So I've got a bit of a headache do- today. No, no. Not feeling not very well. This. I mean, it would have stressed me out. It stressed me out. I'd, I mean, t- truly, that is when you'd reach for ChatGPT. Like, that is when you would. That's when you'd reach out to the help AI. Help me. <laughs> help me. Help me. Well, I think that knowing that, it definitely adjusted my thoughts on the negatives of this episode because actually to be fair i think i was being a bit harsh earlier i do actually have quite a lot of like highs for this episode and then the negatives that i have not that i can like forgive them but like i can understand them a bit more given that context yeah definitely i'm i'm very impressed i i wouldn't have guessed it was that rushed watching mm. it at all there's maybe like no, for sure you know the things that i would nitpick about but um I, I think on the whole, it's, it's a it's a pretty it's a fun episode, and I'm always a fan of like a standalone, contained story that requires mm. very little context to enjoy. And this for me, like, is is a nice fun episode. Maybe I'd feel better about it if it was like part of a series. Nothing about it feels very special, festive, special about it to me. Yeah, in the context of of other festive specials, kind of being this sort of grand romantic adventure but then like as you say it being like a very rushed script done not that long before production not really surprised it definitely was giving me new year's but in the same way that like the unquiet dev was giving christmas like it was just a episode set at new year's rather than a special centering around this like holiday sure anything in this about new beginnings i guess there was because they had like eight new beginnings i guess that that carried in well speaking of that one thing that i did really like uh, about this episode is there's quite a lot of foreshadowing to the plot before the plot starts and i just think that's quite clever writing um nick wishes sarah happy new year at the beginning of the episode and he says here we are again and she goes yep here we are again and i just think that was like having watched it i don't think i've ever actually rewatched this episode before today since it aired and watching it i was like oh I know, what, I know what you're doing there. I know what you're doing. I thought that was fun. And I guess the whole idea of a TARDIS reset, right? Like refreshing, restarting the year, rebooting the TARDIS. Mm-hmm. Kicking it off right. That's a real high for me. Let me let me jump on in. Some of the visual effects in this I really, really like. And I think a ton of it is actually um, Ben Pickles, aka I believe like John Smith is the pseudonym on yeah. YouTube. And um, they've actually now done a youtube reel of what they contributed to this era of doctor who and Mm -hmm. there's a lot of this episode in that yeah and i always find it looks really polished like a lot of those Mm. effects like the um force field on the door has a really satisfying like colorful holographic ripple to it yeah i really like the kind of like 
cracked red effect on the TARDIS, the way that all the like background panels around the console collapse when they're running out of the TARDIS. One of my favorite ever shots. I love it when you can see like the TARDIS mm-hmm. collapsing inside. Yeah. Um, even the the final shot of the building collapsing and fireworks shooting out of it. That building's completely CG as well. It's just nice to look at. Yeah. It's a nice episode to look at. No, it's a very good episode to look at. I, I love, I do think it's one of the most gorgeous shots from this episode when they're slow-mo running out of the TARDIS and you can see the panels like turning in on themselves and like the TARDIS collapsing. I thought that looked beautiful. I, I, I think that you need that in an episode like this where it is such a sort of bottle episode within like one building with like maybe three rooms that like you see the foyer, the corridor and the container room. And it feels like each of the rooms is actually the same room. They've just dressed differently. So I do think you need those like exciting visuals. I thought the exterminator effect looked so good. Um, like the, the actual skeletons when they were like being zapped. Um, so yeah, visually a very, very good episode. I really like the Dalek's little gun in this actually, you know, they've got the little gun. It's great. It can't aim like it cannot aim like unless you you have to be stood still face on within a meter of a dalek for it to hit you which is odd Mm -hmm. and maybe that's it's weird that it's an executioner dalek and it's like the thing they seem to really struggle with (laughs) you think they would just send like i don't know a dalek tank or something to just go in overkill um rather than like a poorly firing one which like has really broad range i always like when daleks swap out their weapons like i really like the claw fire one that can cut things with fire so i liked the machine gun end one thing i really didn't like about the daleks is that they swapped out the sucker for that little grabby like oh, the pincer black sphere thing the pincer oh. thing like it, they don't use it in the episode i don't like how it looks i don't think it looks any more threatening i don't think it looks any less silly than a plunger and I just don't know why they did it beyond the fact they're like, oh, the plunge looks silly. Like, it just didn't feel... I quite like the pincer. It looks sharp and nasty. Very sharp and mean. Yeah, I, I mean, there's a line written into it, which I like, where the doc- the Daleks turned away from the Doctor so the Doctor can't see his weapons. And she's like, I'm jamming your weapons. And then he goes, Daleks, learn. And then you realise it's like upgraded its weapons, so it can't do that. I, I feel like if we're on the Daleks, and I don't mean starting a bit of a negative so early in our review, <laughs> I think the Daleks are probably my least favourite thing about this episode. Yeah. Because I don't think the story is served better by it being Daleks that are the villain. Like... I almost feel like it should have been an original villain where there were maybe three survivors as part of a battle squad where their planet got destroyed by the flux and they uh, found the doctor and were like, you've destroyed my planet. And she's like, no, I didn't, I promise. And they're like, no, you did. <laughs> and and like maybe if it's something to do, like they are like time traveling beings and them landing at the exact same time the TARDIS resets causes a time loop. Right. I just think that a bit like you said before, the Daleks aren't scary and they're filming them as if they are scary. And you can't really, like much as it was a bit of a gag when they all got exterminated for the first time, like I think that they were brought into the plot for like fan service rather than actually like serving the plot. They were brought in to complete the trilogy, I fear. Right? I mean, yeah, I I kind of agree with you. It being Daleks doesn't really serve much in this. It's a really interesting one because I've said before that like they should almost abandon trying to make Daleks scary and at this point just enjoy them as comedy characters that pop up now and then um (laughs) which i don't even think i like really believe i just keep saying it um (laughs) which is funny because in this one we do get a lot of dalek 
comedy and I think it does kind of work. Um, there's a series of videos, dubs, which are incredibly funny on YouTube. And one of my favorite of all time is about this episode with these dubs. And mm-hmm. maybe that's now forever changed the way that I see this episode as well. One is called <laughs> um, Ground Hogmanay of the Daleks. And it's by someone called Joe Vevers. Um, everyone's probably seen like a bit from it. The dubs are so, so funny and they are so ingrained in the way that I now like perceive this episode. Um, but it just, again, like elevates that comedy like one step further and and kind of takes the piss out of some of the silliness with the aiming and stuff in this as well. I'm wondering, Sam, do you think they've kind of nerfed the Daleks in this episode? They keep missing. They're a little cocky. They have eight attempts to kill the Doctor and friends and they still don't anticipate the plan correctly at the end, even though they have just 50 seconds to get the explosives into the basement, they somehow are still distracted by a mobile phone and blow themselves up. I think that the thing that they maybe shouldn't have done this episode is so early on shows that the Daleks can just at the beginning of Luke teleport right next to you because it really (laughs) makes them feel like stormtroopers when they do that and don't just immediately shoot on sight. They stand there and they're a bit like, identify or or they have a bit like a banter with Dan. And um, I do think that it makes them a slightly less threatening villain when they just kind of keep, even though they keep exterminating people, the Doctor also sort of outsmarts the point. Like at one point, Nick kills two Daleks by just ducking and they shoot each other. And much as like <laughs> and they funny keep visual... shooting each other as well. They don't like hit <laughs> once and go like, whoa, so let's let's pause a sec or let's aim a little lower. They just keep firing straight. <laughs> yeah, they don't even it. think about aiming lower. Um so yeah, I don't know. I just think that it might have suited an original character better. But like we said earlier, I also don't want to be too harsh because I'm sure the reason the darts were written into this were that they already had the Daleks, and if they didn't have the money to create a whole new monster for it, which monster are you can bring back the Cybermen? Like they literally just did them. They couldn't bring the Cybermen. So I do I do understand why they went with Daleks. I I I just uh I think given that we kind of have all this like repeated dialogue from the Doctor about like the Daleks are really, really smart. They are so smart and they can adapt to anything. And and they kind of forget they can teleport. Or there's a part where Sarah kind of runs for the lift and he's like halt and he forgets he can cut the power i'm like you can still do that you did it on the last run but you can do it you again can still do that. i don't know there's um yeah yeah some bits with that doesn't really make any sense well look speaking of sarah one of my big highs of the episode is the cast specifically the new additions to the cast i think that ashling b and ajani salmon were both really really great contributions to this episode ashling b i'd seen in quite a lot of things before ajani i actually hadn't this is the first thing i'd seen him in but they both were really really good characters very believable and i think in this kind of bottle episode you really do need them to be able to carry the story i could watch ashling b in anything i want her to come back to talk to immediately i think her comic timing is second to none i think there was one loop maybe like the fourth in where they had a plan and the daleks just immediately slaughtered them all and she did drama really well as well and she just has so many like one lines like when she comes in and she's on the phone she's like but not as much as i hate you jeff i hate you call me when you get this like, <laughs> it, little things like that i just thought that she was so good like the bickering between her of a mum like it's so good the comedy really really worked for me i thought she was great and actually she's one of those awesome like almost companions that we talk about a lot who i'd mm. happily have back i'd happily have from adventure um i i really liked her in this i think what we've learned is that comedy actors do really well in doctor who very good i, th- I think that it's easier to let a comedy actor show that they can do drama than to try and make a dramatic actor funny. 
Mm. I think that's kind of what we learned from Doctor Who. And this this episode actually does have some good funny. It really reminded me a bit of Fear Her at one point when uh, Nick and Sarah meet the TARDIS team for the first time and she's convinced that they work for the council. And there's a whole running gag of like, but the council wouldn't work on New Year's. Like there's three of you working on New Year's. And like, I feel like one of the critiques for the Chimlayer is that companions aren't very like, believably written on the whole and uh, i know that that dan i actually really like which we'll talk about in this but um there's a bit where i I love that sarah is really untrusting of the doctor and in company like obviously she immediately as soon as there's a loop tries to abandon them because why wouldn't she and there's one point where the doctor pulls out the sonic and and sarah like it cuts her and she kind of jumps as if she thinks she's pulling out a gun because like (laughs) she's a mad woman why wouldn't she be pulling out a gun yeah and uh, i just thought that things like that are really funny the only thing that's maybe missing for our new side characters is they they never really seem thrown by the situation they're in i mean maybe it's just so intense and sudden and urgent that they don't really get a chance to process it and they just have to kind of like fight for their lives and until it's over um Mm. But they they never really like settle into like having a moment of like this is weird right like this is really <laughs> properly weird like I'm I might be going mad I might be losing my mind they kind of like take the time to like stop and flirt a bit which is funny um, yeah. but it, it kind of works right like a, a a festive special kind of allows a bit of room for that like it doesn't really need to be I think so super dark at any point or super reflective it's kind of fun to just have a silly old adventure at christmas time or indeed new year's yeah exactly it's the festive season and it's a time for love and merriment it's festive and uh, why react to things plausibly it's christmas exactly <laughs> it's but on at christmas well talking about love and romance in the air do you want to talk about the tardis team for a bit yeah let's talk about the tardis team talk about the tardis team i i actually think watching this episode and thinking about 13 series as a whole I think we we should have maybe had a season of just 13 and Yaz, but I really, really love 13, Yaz and Dan, specifically like Yaz and Dan as a pairing. I think that they are such a good like pair of mates to have in the TARDIS. And like Dan's just such a softie. He's always got everyone's back. He's always trying to be nice. He's always trying to be sweet. Like it's so funny that we as a community- What's the point of being alive? If not to make others die? Well, that's the thing. We chose to make him evil when he's such a nice guy. It, it's very much a self-contained episode, but you can see where it is like coming from. Um, so they kind of you you are kind of caught up by the time that they arrive. But yeah, like I was saying about Dan, nobody bit, needs soup more than me. Nobody needs soup more than me. <laughs> but yeah, with Dan as well. <laughs> I'm going to binge watch Evil Dan videos after this. I'd be scared there. I forget how nice real Dan is where like there's that scene in the TARDIS where he offers to kind of sacrifice himself and the doctor does have a moment which I like for saying like you don't have to do this and he's like I know but you saved the universe last week so I reckon I owe you one and it's like well she sort of sort of kind of she also didn't that's a weird line in this isn't it he doesn't just say you saved the universe last week he says you saved the entire universe last week and she's like yeah <laughs> and I'm like almost <laughs> but no i wonder if it was maybe dan deciding to leave that then made 13 spiral into a wild pit of depression and that's why 14 hates the flag so much <laughs> it's like dan never even knew the truth dan thought it didn't happen dan never knew i never the told truth. i never clarified to dan or the audience oh god <laughs> it was so much worse yeah it's so much worse i i love um talking about dan there's the bit when uh sarah is like really snappy to him and then 
then Yaz goes, Oi, nobody's mean to my mate. That's my job. Yeah. And Dan goes, Thanks. And then Yaz is just like, shh, 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 shh. <laughs> I like their time I together on screen. They're really good. Yaz and the doctor's interactions in this. I know we're doing this kind of unrequited love thing. Yaz in this, the the whole like Phasmin thing wasn't planned and was written in late, right? And then I think yeah. probably at this point they were like, Oh, we should entertain this. But we're so mm. near the end now that we're not sure how to finish it <laughs> because if the feelings are requited, then like Yaz can't stay. We're going to have to kill so Yaz. So we have to either kill Yaz <laughs> or like there's got to be some reason this doesn't work. So they kind of wrote themselves yeah. into a corner there, I think, with that one. I do think that the Yaz and 13 storyline kind of almost deserved another season. If Chibnall Zero didn't get, I don't want to say cut short because I think it like ended at the time that it was meant to end, you know, if they happened to a reason. But if it was going to carry on, I think that Dan would have left at the end of these specials and I could have seen them do one more full season of just the Doctor and Yaz and then have that full season be a bit of like a 10 and Rose arc of like, no, I truly love you. Mm. Um, so yeah, it, it never really felt like they had the time to do it justice. There's a couple of like cute moments in this, like when Sarah is saying, oh, good hearted weirdos are the keepers and Yaz just kind of looks over at the doctor but the scene that made me connect the most to 13 and yaz's relationship actually had nothing to do with the doctor and i agree with you i think the doctor's just a bit like rude and snappy to that to a bit rude and snappy to yaz and doesn't really benefit the storyline it's when yaz is talking to dan about it and i think it's really cute and i like that it's a story about someone who doesn't even really know their sexuality like there's that line where she says i don't know what to do dan i've never told anybody not even myself mm-hmm. and that's not something you see on tv that much especially in a show that that's not really like a queer driven show. Um, so I, d- I did like that aspect of it, but I think that the fact that one of my favorite scenes about their relationship didn't involve the doctor kind of shows more about how I felt about it in this episode. Yeah. I, I like that conversation. I thought Dan was really sweet, you know, like, you know, always like, I mean, mm. but like I'd come out to her, I'd come out to him, Dan, you're a sweetheart. Like Dan truly <laughs> is so unjudgmental and such like a dear friend and like almost yeah. like, talks to Yaz about those feelings like as if it wasn't even like a gay relationship or queer feelings it's just like have you told how you feel he does it a bit like a like a nice dad he gives dad energy doesn't he yeah proper dad energy he's a he really does he is a sweet pea and like he even he has a chat with the doctor then when he says to like she likes you and this is another case of the doctor acting dumb for no reason it's like i don't know what you mean and he's like well you do for some reason you pretend to me and to her and the, i can't even do a skeletal <laughs> Who's this? Like, try. but he says like <laughs> he says for some reason you pretend to me and to her that you don't and we kind of get like a bit of a payoff in that later in in the next episode but like dan out so you know did you ask does. dan does out, yes, did you check that mm. didn't feel like you had her permission now did it did it mm-hmm. i guess he's saying i think you already know and I think you know that. And you're not doing anything about it. No. <laughs> and I think you know that. <laughs> I keep thinking of that SNL skit now with Kate McKinnon. And I think it's Kristen Wiig or Billie Eilish or someone. And there, it's the cat lady where she grabs her, her boob. And she goes, that's my breast. And I think you know <laughs> that's that. That's what I'm thinking of. <laughs> that's what I'm thinking of. You know when you like say the line, you can't even think of how the line is said, but you know it's a thing. Oh, God. It's that. It's SNL. Dan. Oh, my God, Dan. That's my breast, and I think you know that. That's so Dan. <laughs> That's so Dan-coded. There's something I hear referred to as 
<laughs> Chibnall's gun. <laughs> Which is like... <laughs> I know what you're thinking. Chekhov's gun, except it just stays loaded. <laughs> <laughs> it's just set up in the first act, but never fired. Oh, God, it makes me laugh. Um, so it happens again in this one, which is really funny. Um, there's all this like, oh, my phone, like, I can't, the ringer, I can't turn the ringer off. Amounts to nothing nothing and in this rewatching it i was like oh that must have been part of it right was that it rings out loud nope like doesn't do that like i fully thought in one of these bloody loops there was going to be a moment where they're hiding from the daleks and then it goes like bing bing and then the dalek immediately knows where they are but yeah no nope nothing comes of that nope. <laughs> um <laughs> which was just quite funny like all the setup before that and then just wasn't used when that was like a really obvious thing to give away their location the thing that gives them away and part of it is just that they're just like flirting too loud which is quite funny yeah they're just like bickering and like talking and flirting really loudly and then the, the dalek kind that of is so weird that is so weird ah they found us the dalek kind of stopped it also isn't like a dramatic thing the dalek very slowly goes to the door it almost is funny where the dalek sort of pulls up turns its head turns its body walks in a little <laughs> bit and then it's like exterminate <laughs> it's quite funny <laughs> that's the thing it's not um with daleks it's not a creepy slow movement like oh god oh god it's found them it's almost like the daleks are like oi 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 <laughs> no it's What's going on here then? <laughs> it's immediately funny. And then again, like you go back to the groundhog manet of the Daleks, right? And in that one, it's like, red flag, sweetie. <laughs> He's a wrong one. <laughs> and it's, it's like the Dalek killed killed him because he was like doing her a favor, which like kind of works better. Like, because he's proper odd in this. Like, he's sweet and inoffensive from like if we take everything at face value i mean he does store and label all these women's belongings it, like with uh, with a with a strange frequency like oh some of them are four days some of them are longer it's like bloody hell like you've got a lot of their stuff haven't you and you're kind of like displaying it like a museum yeah. here of there's that line where they're like he's like oh yeah it's my ex-girlfriends and they're like are they alive? <laughs> exactly. And they lay that on so thick. Mm. And rather than just kind of end that with like a, you know, you always were my best customer. You do seem like a very lonely man. Like, let's get you a girlfriend and let's let's teach you some some etiquette and let's, you know, let's prep you for a date mm. and let's, you know, and I'll be your friend. Instead, they're like, we're in love now. We're yeah completely i mean i guess it's meant to be the, the resolution of that is that he is willing to sacrifice himself for her even after she calls him a weirdo speaking of my one note that i wrote about this is i just wrote the ex-girlfriend gag bit weird sarah's reaction is correct quote man you are weird she was man, right you are weird and yaz is like he's yeah. right there and i'm like i'd say it too <laughs> are they trauma bonded is that what this is you know like <sighs> probably they've just been through something so weird that that Maybe that, maybe that, you know what, let's explain it away as that. Yeah, they've just trauma bonded so much over dying eight times with each other that like... Dying eight times in a row, right? Hey, listen, no one yeah. in the world ever has died eight times with someone. Maybe you would trauma bond me with them forever. Who knows? Maybe you would. So one thing we should talk about in this episode is the time loop as a general concept, I think. Okay. I watched the end of this episode with my partner and he said to me, he was like, oh has doctor ever done a time loop before and i was like oh no i don't think they have and then i googled it and the first thing to pop up was an article the 10 best time loop episodes <laughs> of doctor <laughs> and i was like oh but then i remembered even stuff like heaven sent like is a time loop episode and i was like oh yeah, oh okay, cool, yes cool. that was a good one that was a good one yeah 
But I don't know about you. I just, in general, am such a fan of a time loop story. I, I know it's tropey, like it is a trope, but movies like Happy Death Day, Palm Springs, all that, like I just think it's a really fun concept and you can have a lot of fun with it. It's also quite simple in that you just have the locations, as in to make, you have the locations that you are filming at for that one day and you can keep using them over and over. And that's very much the point. Um, I do think this episode benefits from there being a limit, like that there's, you know, you lose a minute every time you die and it's counting towards midnight because otherwise you can just keep going onwards and onwards and onwards and like, what's the point of stopping them die like a hundred times, 500 times, like you, you then end up with a heaven sent. So I do think that this episode benefited from being able to learn from each time they come back and knowing that there's a limit to how many times they can. I think it's it's so much fun a time loop and it's nice i guess that it it's like distilling the story down to this like strategy off of like outsmarting one another trying to stay one step ahead mm. neither of them deliberately caused a time loop and so it's kind of a a case of like trying to survive to the end a very simple kind of like all we have to do is be outside the building at midnight and the loop is done and we probably need to kill the dialects at some point in that as well. But I don't think that's like said. Um, <laughs> and there's like enough setup there, I guess, with like Nick and his weird stuff and his like, Nick, you bad, bad man, that he would have like a bunch of illegal uh, fireworks to like set up that resolution. Wait, that was Jeff. It wasn't Nick. Is Nick keeping Jeff's stuff? No, no, oh no, no, no. So Nick only his storage unit is the one with the girlfriend stuff, like all of the weird, creepy girlfriend stuff. Oh. But then, do you remember? I think Jeff. The, the, there's a bit where Sarah goes upstairs and she's that sign by Jeff being like, "Do you remember you said on that Tuesday I could have this?" And she's like, "You give him an inch and you'll take a mile." And and she goes into all of his rooms and she's like, "Party stuff." beans and beef i thought all of this was oh, nick i no. thought nick being the one customer meant all of this was <laughs> no. nick so i thought nick was holding something for jeff no, jeff jeff uh, asked to use the storage unit and he and he took an inch and ran a mile and um ended up storing every single oh, thing jeff that, is up to some weird stuff jeff's up then. to some weird stuff he's storing every single thing she says that he can't what was it like an animal's alive oh. or dead food explosives i don't know what the whole thing with the party oh. room was well this for me was part of it <laughs> i was like why is she now in love with this man oh, you, oh my god wait you he, thought not... that he that's why oh god no he's not that creepy yeah he's creepy but i thought this was all his <laughs> stuff no oh my I god i was like she is so forgiving of red this. flag i was like he Jeff. Jeff, like red flag honey <laughs> i <laughs> that's exactly what i was thinking oh I was my like, god wow like really got over that huh the other thing i liked about the time loop a lot was like i think the deja vu effect was done really well mm. um i like the way that you could like see it start to sink in for them like what's happening and then both like start to catch up at the same yeah. time like what and then as they adjust to the idea of the loop they can like sprint from the the word go and they're just into it and they know what's happening right away i like the way that they kind of like warm up to the loop and the first time they have a deja vu like the camera is like kind of like um it's like tilted mm. and it's like tilted <laughs> <laughs> wonky okay come on cinematographer nah. It's like wonky. The camera's like wonky <laughs> and it like makes you feel like um like disoriented. <laughs> like they must, right? Yeah. It's like something's Come like weird English. and something's like, I don't know, off. <laughs> right? And I just think that's genius. Yes. But I but like I do. <laughs> so. We joke about it, we're actually really entertained and really impressed. I joke, but I was so impressed. I was like, and I spotted that all on my own. <laughs> 
You did. You were. You know what? You're such a clever boy. You're such a clever boy. Yes, you might I'm have thought that she was getting part. with a weirdo. However, you're such a clever boy. Further, like slight nerfing of the Daleks here was that um, the original like Dalek effects that we got in like 60s, 70s, whatever, when the whole like screen inverts and people like hold this like horrible open mouth, like painful death and they like flop to the floor, but it looks like they're in this like really like agonizing state first or even like in like 2005 Dalek, people would have like a horrible scream yeah. when they went down. Um, the more deaths we got, and like there's no other way to do this, right? Otherwise it'd be an incredibly dark New Year special. Um, the more it kind of like softened the death mm-hmm. and made it feel more like instant and more like it was almost like just like a reset beam and not like a laser ray. Yeah. And the skulls, I mean, I I liked it, but it 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 undermines the Daleks yeah. as villains, I feel. Um, I liked it, but you know, there was a moment where like I think Nick dies like grinning in in one of them, and his skull like looks kind of like it's smiling <laughs> when like it's like a cheeky grin. I think it's in the decoy round um of them dying. And yeah, also like Dan dying on the sofa dies in this really weird crouch. <laughs> <laughs> that was quite funny to me as well. And there's another one I think where Sarah like dies in the lift in a squat, which is quite funny. Yeah. Oh, the skull the, the, the skulls all look pretty funny. Um yeah, I don't know. Did you did you feel that at all? I, I don't mind it? the skeleton. I do think that was a really good observation made, especially from like Dalek, I think of when the Dalek, like the whole, I just think Dalek, I know I sing its praise all the time. It's just such a good Dalek story. It says you are in a bunker with one Dalek and we are told it is the most dangerous thing in the mm. universe. And it truly is. It kills every single person. And we know that if it gets out of here, we're fucked. And I really like when mm. it exterminates someone. I do like that you see the skeleton. It, it it didn't like, I know what you mean. Like there were definitely some ones where the mouth was open and I was like, wow, that skull's mouth is really open. Um, but I think it needs the scream because mm. you quite often, you, you they're just silently like there with their arms out, like ready to die. And I think that you need to show that each death is painful because it doesn't feel like a death to me it just feels like a oh great inconvenient right another one i guess yeah maybe there should have been a little bit more of like a like tearful bracing yourself for the end like oh here we go be brave like yeah maybe there's a moment where like dan and yaz hold hands together yeah. or something and like, or even like when again. they then come into the ne- and it, like wince for yeah. it when they come into the next loop like there may be like they've got tears in their eyes and they're like i can't go through that again like please don't like can you imagine like yaz uh looking at the dog saying please yeah. don't let it kill me again like that something like that like i think we needed yeah. oh my god that'd be so harrowing yeah that'd be a nice like dr yaz moment it of like how many more times is it gonna kill us mm-hmm. how many more times am i gonna have to die like maybe if you want to go little... <laughs> you know as writer of torchwood chris chibnall <laughs> this is where torchwood would do something around like all of those deaths, I remember them. Oh, I remember dying and <laughs> take it up one more with Torchwood. There's nothing. There's just nothing. Do you know where I thought you were going with that? I thought, do you remember the bit where I think they're hiding from the cyber woman and Owen and Gwen are hiding in the place where they put the bodies in the freezer and they're lying on top of each other and they're like, oh my God, she's going to find us. She's going to kill us. We're dead. And then they just start making out. As if they're like, well, we're going <laughs> to die anyway. That's what I thought you were going. And it's like, doctor, we're going to die anyway. <laughs> like, That'd be a really funny angle to take with it for sure. Yeah, I know. Right? Um, I do. I like what you're saying about the couch one where he got exterminated and looked really silly on the couch. It's just like a funny, I think it's good to have the penultimate time loop be one to throw them off. And I think you can have fun with that. I like that Nick got his kind of like therapy from 
blowing up his girlfriend's stuff. I think that Sarah, you know, got to actually speak with her mum, that the doctor and Yasmin, mm. they're just sat on the couch. I just think that's like a really funny visual. It just made me laugh. I do think it leans better into yeah. like the parody uh, Dalek funny speech. The Daleks get some good lines in this, like Daleks do not have managers. Daleks do not have friends. <laughs> like it really reminded me of uh, the dub of <sighs> Doomsday where it's like... Um, uh, Daleks do not take orders. You have identified as Daleks. Bugger! <laughs> like, that was kind of where I felt like it was going. Um, but I, I do think one thing I liked writing wise is that like, even though Chekhov's gun of the beeping phone was left untriggered, uh, the yeah. mum kind of being the key to it, like she keeps phoning and keeps phoning and that's what mm. eventually tricks the Dalek. Um, I do mm. like that she was involved in that way. It's funny as well, like the one time that she decides to like be sincere with her mother and is like, you know, maybe I don't tell you enough that I love you. Maybe I don't call you as often as I should. And she's like, are you drunk? <laughs> I also oh love- Oh God, you're ill. <laughs> oh God, you're ill. I also love that that's not the real world. Like that got reset. So she just never had that chat with her mum. She does it. She never knew. She never she knew. She never even knew. The, the like character of the doctor in this one, there was, I think- highs and lows in it for me for example i think low is like leading dan and yaz to face a dalek head-on like saying this is the deadliest creature in the universe and then just like walking over to it i was like okay and she was like i'm blocking your signal and then the dalek was like no you're not and i was kind of come on now come on yeah. because if that had been the end i mean honestly what a ridiculous death not um, like this and then yeah but then like another high was like, I will not let you die because of the decisions I've taken. I really like that. Yep. I like the doctor getting a little snappy under pressure as well was kind of good. Mm -hmm. It's funny. They they kind of, again, they come back to this thing where they have this repeated theme with the, the 13th doctor kind of being a bit like defensive and closed off and not like being totally open with with her friends, not letting people in, running away from problems, um, running off to the next spot without sort of like really like dealing with anything. Yeah. Which I guess we've now had a bit of a conclusion to post giggle, which is a funny time to have dealt with some of that. Yeah. But I feel like more of that should have been resolved within 13's era because it feels like we went all the way then through to the power of the doctor and the kind of parting line with Yaz was like, well, I need to do this on my own now. Bye. Bye-bye forever. <laughs> I won't even mention you to Donna, no. by the way. What, like, I have this question for you. I I think it is inarguable. And this is no comment on, you know, who I love, David Tennant, uh, Mandip Gill, Jodie Whittaker, Captain Like, It's no comment on who I like or don't like. Much as I think it was the right thing to do to bring back David Tennant and Catherine Tate to sort of grab old audiences back in for the specials, do you think it would have actually served the story better if the Doctor didn't regenerate at the end of The Power of the Doctor and we had three specials and basically the same way they were, obviously you'd have to change up the Star Beast a bit, with the 13th Doctor and Yaz, and at the end with the bi-generation, it's that the 13th Doctor gets to deal with the trauma of the Flux and live out her life with Yaz. And then the 15th Doctor then oh goes my. off as the 14th Doctor and lives their life. Oof. Do you think story-wise that could have worked better? Because you wouldn't have had to rush the ending. They would have been able to have like a proper conclusion to the Thasmin relationship. Yeah. I don't know. Story-wise, I think it was fine for 13 to let go in the way that she did. But maybe Yaz should have stayed a bit longer. Mm -hmm. It's probably how I would have suggested doing it. I would have said like maybe David Tennant and Yaz could have had a bit of time together. That would have been interesting. And then maybe it was time to let go and maybe she realizes like, 
you're not the doctor I fell in love with or uh you know maybe it's time for me to like find something else to do here like actually now we found unit maybe maybe there's things I can do here mm-hmm. that are, are are more me um or you know like hey doc look if it's time for you just come and stop maybe me too like maybe that was my run like maybe how about we both stop together mm. i'll be down the road <laughs> you stop i'm not going that far either we'll both stop yeah and then we'll let this one fly off. Like, I, I think there's maybe ways you could have done that, which would have maybe felt like a better exit. I think they were they were so keen to make this, like, clean cut yeah, I agree. with the narrative and give a new jumping on point that, like, that just meant that Yaz had to go. Yeah. Which it narratively makes, like, still really very little sense to me. Um, and then upon regeneration, not come back for Yaz. I don't know. Yeah. It was funny. It all felt a bit weird. There should have been some reference to it, I guess. Maybe, maybe he felt in his new incarnation that you know it was time to let yaz go because he could see it becoming another romantic thing that he didn't want to deal with and he ran yeah, from it or, maybe i don't know i mean we're just gonna we actually do have uh dear listener if you haven't listened to our back catalog we actually do have an episode on the power of the doctor which we recorded right off the back of watching we did. it it was a very long time episode ago. two of hula la go back and listen we apologize if the audio quality isn't great um but this is where we kind of dive into our immediate thoughts of that but i do think at some point down the line maybe we should do a revisit of that episode because especially post 60th where we know where the story goes is it's an interesting conversation to have i I felt as well one final thing i'll say on character is that dan got this fantastic scene like challenging a dalek and being like look i'm gonna die anyway i'm gonna have fun with it and i'm gonna take the mick out of you i'm just here delivering something me what are you you know and then sort of running in circles around it like (laughs) you know it was great (laughs) but it felt like dan in that got a more cheeky and doctor-like character moment Mm -hmm. than the doctor did every time the doctor turned up it felt like they did this for a lot of her episodes yeah which I didn't love the way they did. She turns up and she's always a bit like, what? Why? And how? And what? And I don't know anything. I'm so confused. What? And people around her, like, help her piece things together. Mm-hmm. But the doctor's, like, meant to be the quickest one in the room. Yeah. And for some reason, like, the doctor is so loud about being on the back foot <laughs> for a lot of these. And, like, but this person's dead. But a minute ago, they were upstairs. What? How? I don't get it. And then when, like, confronting a Dalek like had lots of very literal dialogue like you're a dalek we're in a time loop and you're gonna lose no i completely agree and it happened a lot in in her era like i always thought of it with graham like the ghost monument is a good example where she thinks she's lost the tards forever and she kind of just like freaks out and she's like what are we gonna do like there's no point what are we gonna do and graham has to be like (laughs) come on doc we're not giving up are you gonna give up and then it was like yeah and then here's a tardis and it's like like i just think that they give a lot of i think 13 was poorly served by writing at points in her era where they gave a lot of doctory dialogue and action to the companions and to be quite point blank and specific the older male companions and i Mm. don't think that served her well and that's not a comment on jodie whittaker and that's not necessarily a comment on chris chibnall i just think it's no but like in this right like they gave that moment to john bishop they gave the doctory moment to john bishop and and I don't feel that, like, Yaz either got, like, a, a, a memorable hero moment in this episode. I'd agree. I would agree. So, I yeah, it's an interesting choice, yeah. isn't it? You know, Jodie's got these really hot haircuts at the minute. Oh, yeah, yeah, she yeah, looks yeah. like. And some people on Twitter are saying, like, oh, imagine we'd had this, like, butch version of the Doctor. And I'm like, oh, it's like, yes! Mm. Every time at the minute that I'm revisiting anything from 13, I'm like, God, I wish we could just go back in time a little bit. Go back 2016, 2017. Be in the room where they're, like, defining the look and tone. And just be like, what if we just, like, you know, just 
just just have a bit of a play with this and just give her a bit of edge because I think Jodie would so naturally be able to like carry a bit of like a little bit of rough and mm-hmm. sass into it. Um, I guess as well because I was watching Time lately and she's so good in Time mm-hmm. and um, I I just I just don't know I just think like a little bit more like sass and kickassery yeah like something. Probably something that, you know, ironically as well, follows 12, maybe a bit more naturally as well. No, it it felt like you could have had as a progression 9, 12, 10, 11, 13, I feel. Like like 13 feels like she comes off the back of 11, far more than 12. I agree. Well, Alsa, look, what did you think of this episode overall? I think once again, as with like a lot of like episodes from this time, I think they were like really up against it with various production issues covid Mm. um like one day i'm so keen to know like truly the inside story of doctor who around this time Mm -hmm. i I think it's a solid episode like it doesn't feel like a festive special Mm -hmm. it's it's fun like it's it's all right i don't think it deserves to be like panned it's yeah it's a perfectly competent episode it might be my favorite of the the kind of like the, the Dalek trilogy. Potentially. I, I, but I'd have to rewatch other ones to see. And also, Chris Chibnall, this is a formal invite to Hulala to do an expose on <laughs> your own era. Uh, if there's anything you've left unsaid, I'm sure that NDA has run up by now. So feel free to jump on. You're always welcome. Yeah. <laughs> After everything that I just said about Chibnall's gun and then cackled, <laughs> I'm sure Chibnall is absolutely, absolutely gagging to get on Hulala. Absolutely. But I would actually love to. Like, the thing is, I'll say as well, like with that footnote, everything i've ever heard about chibnall and i always feel like this is like a, a footnote i need to give on any time we discuss like the chibnall era mm-hmm. slash jody whitaker is um is positive chris chibnall did um an interview actually with another podcast uh another docu who pod and on that he just comes off as a massive sweetie and everything i've heard about you know his efforts i think with the show were about trying to improve diversity on and off screen as well and do that sincerely and create great working conditions and try and bring in like new talents and give them opportunities as well take from that what you will so there we are there we are no i get you i think that that this was a fun episode overall i have more highs than lows i just think yeah it was a product of its time and by that i agree with you that it had covid against it had budgets against it and with the tools they had i think they did a good job agree agree we're gonna play a little we're gonna play a little game and it's gonna be a slightly shorter one than uh normal for especially for for, for the premiere episode of season four of i'm so sorry uh we are playing our favorite game camp or dam yeah. <laughs> i'm just afraid this is not a very camp episode this is but i have got so a couple for you so are you ready for them? yeah this is not a camp episode Sarah hating all men. Man, you're weird, and I hate you, Jeff Campbell. Yeah, that's actually quite. That that is actually quite. Uh, it's difficult. It's like, is it funny? Is it camp? I think it's just about camp in delivery. I think it's, it's a soft camp. It's it is it is it's a soft camp. This one. I think it's it's just there in the way it's delivered. Yeah, I, I see that. And and then for the next two, I'm actually gonna I'm gonna ask which of these is the campest. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Daleks do not have managers and then Daleks do not have friends which of those are camp um you can say neither <laughs> are either of those camp 
it's tricky. I, I think like, there's something again, camp about your gay best friend not having a manager that actually is decent at their job. I was gonna say like there's something more about like Daleks do not have friends that was a little, a little something in there. I don't know. I'm gonna maybe just say like these for me are a little too, a little too slippery. I'm not sure that they can be easily compartmentalized into the into the camp box. Uh, it's yeah. a wah, wah. Wah, wah in the camp department. I do have a couple more fun facts for you. Obviously, I stated about the constraints in time during sure. the episode. Uh, the first time that Sarah is confronted by Dalek, it says, I am not Nick. And this was intended as an in-joke since Nicholas Briggs provides the voice of the Dalek. That's a good one. That's a good one, that is. <laughs> that is. I found a little gem there. And at the end of the episode, Carl, who's the intended victim of Tim Shaw from Jodie Whittaker's premiere appearance, The Woman Who Fell to Earth, uh, makes a brief cameo at the end of the episode. And when I was watching this, I couldn't remember who he was, but I was watching it with my partner and I was like, I know I meant to know who they are, but I don't know who they are. <laughs> yes, I had a similar experience. It's because he looks a bit like um, one of the in-betweeners who is also in the flux. I thought that. I was like, is this the guy from the in-between? I, I thought that. I was like, it's not. But like, it really looks like it. The guy who was in the Village of Angels, actually. That's who it reminded me of. Well, I started baking. Had a breakdown. <laughs> bon appetit. <laughs> <laughs> me delivering anything well, as a showrunner. I delivered my um, <laughs> first unsolicited script a couple weeks ago to um, oh, yeah. Reese Connolly of, of Gallifrey Cabaret. I just sort of texted them a PDF and was like, do what you want with this. And uh, <laughs> they were very courteous we'll about it. They were like, um, yeah. oh, like, do you want royalties on this? Or <laughs> I was like, no, no, no. Just, just thought you might like to <laughs> You're use like, this it. is, this it's is nothing, for you. It's nothing. Like, it's just silly. Like, it's just like, silly. It's going right on my fridge. <laughs> yeah. It's going right my, oh, it's, oh, good work. Um, you did a really good job. I really like this one. If they didn't like it, they did a really good job of pretending they did, which made me feel very flattered. Yeah. So I may have a new job there uh, outside of Hula as Galley Cab creative consultant. I might just turn in there more like unsolicited scripts that make him uncomfortable. I've thought of another one. Well, thank you, dear listener, for listening to another episode of Hula La. If you enjoyed, you can reach out to us on all of our social media and let us know. We also want to hear from you. What did you think of Eve of the Daleks? You can reach out to us on X, the app for when you know Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Threads, all of which are at Hula La Pod. You can also rewatch old episodes of the podcast on our YouTube channel, which is also at Hula La Pod. Yes, and if you're feeling very generous, you can go and give us a rating. Uh, five stars is always appreciated wherever you listen to your pods. And tell a friend how much you love the podcast and get them to listen as well or even share this episode onto your story or any other number of good things that create engagement for us and we're very grateful for that uh, but truly <laughs> we love knowing what you think we love hearing from you um and so if you want to tag us in your tweets posts stories whatever we'll take a look at those exactly and next week we will be continuing our revival companion series with looking at the companions of matt smith era of doctor who we'll be looking at amy pond rory williams and river song not quite a clara yet we're not quite a clara but we'll be looking at those three next week so please let us know what you think of those companions too well thank you so much for listening to the first episode of season four of hula La, and we will see you next week see you next week bye